Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we ask now that you would take each part of this service and that you would be glorified in it. Lord, we ask that you would help us to remember we sing these songs for your benefit. And Lord, that uh, we would, during the time of the preaching, listen. And Lord, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister your word to our lives. Lord, most of all, during the time of invitation, that each one of us would be willing to surrender to you that which needs to be yours. And Lord, that we would leave this place better able to serve you through the coming week. We ask for your blessings that we may glorify thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On Sunday morning. Amen. Just get a few of these things out of the way. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll be continuing on with our theme that we've been working on for the past several Sundays on God's love in Ephesians chapter 5. I mean in the book of Ephesians. There we go. And we're going to center on just one verse today mainly. But of course, you cannot just center on one verse of the Word of God. It's attached to all the others. Amen. And so we'll be talking about many scriptures. But let's start in verse 1 of chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, as we have been going through the book of Ephesians, we started a couple weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 2. It is the love of Christ that has seated us in heavenly places. It is God's love that saves us. Each individual must be in possession of an individual salvation. There's no such thing as a blanket exemption clause. Uh, You cannot be born into a saved family and that pass for you when you stand before God. Your relationship with God is on an individual basis. That way, no person endures God's judgment because of the behavior of another. Isn't that a wonderful principle? I mean, there are lots of people that are in jail today. You know why? Ask them. Well... I was with my friends and they did this and I got blamed. I took the rap. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Um, I want you to know that when God exacts his judgment upon mankind, he will do so on an individual basis. And you do not have to worry about being punished for other people's wrongs. That in itself is another example of God's love for us as individuals, God's love for us. Amen? If you are here today and you are saved, it is, number one, because of God's love. 
But God in his love already sees you in heaven. I love that song, My Sins Are Gone. You ask me why I'm happy. You get depressed. You're, you're just forgetting what God has already done for you. Amen. You need to remind yourself of God's love and what he has done and his goodness and his grace and his blessings for you. And we looked last week about God's love at work in the church. We're to walk worthy of this love wherewith God has loved us. Amen. How do we do that? By understanding what he has given us in his word. And to follow him. Everything we have here today is because of God's love. He saves us. He's revealed himself to us. Have you ever met somebody? I knew a person many years ago. They said, well, I I got married because this person told me they loved me. But you know what? They never told me anything about themselves. I didn't know what town they were born in. I didn't know anything about their family. I didn't know anything about that person other than the fact that they said they loved me and wanted to marry me, and so I did. Well, how many of you wonder how that worked out? Most of us already know now, don't we? The reason I bring that up is because so many people treat God as if he were up in heaven and he says he loves us but never tells us anything about himself. Now that's not true. God has told us everything we could possibly understand about God. There are many things God doesn't tell us. The reason he doesn't tell us is because he didn't create us with the ability to understand it. So just trust him. Amen? He's given us leadership. He's given us our church for the perfecting of the saints so that we can grow up into Jesus Christ so that we cannot know, so that we can no longer be prey to all of the deceitfulness that mankind has to offer. I mean, Hollywood just loves to make movies about bizarre, crazy axe murderers who carry Bibles. Why? Because if they had to pay attention to what was in the Bible, they couldn't do 98.889% of what they do do. Amen? Uh, So what do you do? You ignore it. You make fun of it. But let me ask you a question. How many of you have enjoyed the blessings of God because of your personal obedience to what's in this book? Am I in the right church? I'll tell you what, I know it's February. And the groundhog in Staten Island, no, there's no groundhog in Staten Island. It's Melvern Mill or whatever it is, uh, Punxsutawneyville did see a shadow. So Pennsylvania only has four more weeks of winter, six more weeks of winter, and then it'll be spring. Uh, um, Whoever the groundhog is out on uh, Long Island, we got six more weeks of winter before spring even starts. So I know that's why everybody's depressed today. How many even pay attention to the groundhogs? You know what? The weather's going to do what the weather's going to do, regardless of what happens to the little groundhog. But we get down this time of year. Christmas is over. The bills are there. Snow on the ground. It's cold. It's not as bright as it should be, and when it is, it's the snow glare that hurts our eyes. I mean, there's always something to be depressed about, amen? But if we could understand that God's love wants us to grow up 
so that we're no longer prey to the deceitfulness of mankind. I know a few things that ought to encourage you more than that. Amen? Now we get to chapter 5, and there is a progression. How many of you know what Ephesians chapter 5 is most famous for? Marriage counseling. How many of you knew that? Don't raise your hand if you've been through it, but uh, uh, the simple truth is there's a lot of verses. uh, There is uh, really no other passage in the Bible where... Uh, the relationship between husband and wife is explained more fully than it is right here in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, the simple truth is, you can't get to Ephesians chapter 5 until you've been through Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and 4. God lays a foundation for what He says. By the way, Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God, the victorious Christian life. How many of you want a victorious Christian life? Well, you've got to start in Ephesians chapter 1, amen? You've got to work your way through the book. Paul is building these things one upon another. And the problem is we love to compartmentalize. Say, well, you know, <clears throat> things aren't as good in my relationship with, with other people and, and I'm having some problems. I, I just need to learn to love other people. How many of you have ever tried that? Did it work? You see, you can't just learn to love other people. Other people are unlovely. Have you checked? You see, God has to change you from the inside out. It starts with salvation, a living relationship with God. Remember, God is love. Amen? As you build that relationship with God, you are going to be strengthened. You're going to learn what God has for us you will then begin to grow. And if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, guess where you're going to do it? In the local church. There are no substitutes. Now, we are told to walk in love. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Do you think if you walked in in love that things would be right in your home? That if you walked in love, your relationship with other people would be as right as it possibly can be in this human existence? Amen? Walking in love is the next step as Paul is building up how to live the victorious Christian life. This should be the overriding principle of your existence as a Christian. To walk in love. Now, we've been through this many, many, many times and I don't want to be too repetitious, but Love is not just a warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside. Love demands action. Amen? And let's look again at verse 2. This is the center of our, our investigation of God's Word this morning. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Jesus, between the Last Supper, as we would call it, the institution of what we call the Lord's Supper or communion in the church, and Gethsemane, where he would be arrested 
I'm just going to read three verses. John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Verse 17 of John 15 says, These things I command you, that ye love one another. And you say, now wait a minute, how can you command love? Well, I want you to understand something. Love, true love, is a choice, is it not? You have to make that choice. If you're here today and you're married, I would encourage you to make that choice each and every day to love your spouse. Amen? That is something that does not... If you don't do that, if you're not growing together, you will grow apart. It happens. The highest divorce rate that I know about is in the 25 to 30 year range. It's because people have just grown apart from each other. They stopped making that choice. You see, the Bible tells us that this is what our life is to be about. How can you be involved personally with the God of the Bible who is love and not have that rub off not have that affect your relationship with others. Amen? That's how we are to walk in love because let me tell you something. If you love, uh, one of the things people always like to say, I love you with the bottom of my heart. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to run out. There's only so much in you. But if you go to Jesus, guess what? You'll never run out of God. There'll always be something more there because God is there. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Let's look at that next one. Here's the example. We have the life of Jesus Christ. If you were here for our Sunday school, we're going through the New Testament now. We've been through the Old Testament. I think that's got to be our sixth or seventh time through the Old Testament. Of course, it's taken us 20 years to do that. And uh, Lord willing, another 20 years, uh, uh, I'll be up here saying, now, I can't remember how many times, but it's been a lot. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is we go through the Bible to teach us what is going on and these stories that are here tell us of Christ's love. Left heaven's glory to be born in a manger. Stop and think about that. That's amazing, is it not? Someone said, or someone came up with a cute little thing asked Jesus how much he loves us and he said this much and he stretched out his arms and died. You see, that's how much Jesus loved us. The Bible says that he endured the cross despising the shame. How many remember the first phrase of that verse? Who for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? That joy is seeing individual human beings turn from themselves and their own thought processes, their own ideas, their own religion, and surrender to the love of Jesus Christ. Now, there's some theologians out there that have come up with this idea that Jesus only died for the people who get saved. You know why? Because they cannot comprehend in their little... Uh, well, the guy that invented this was a lawyer. I hope we don't have any lawyers here today. I'm not against all lawyers, just bad ones. John Calvin was a bad lawyer. But the simple truth is, 
they come up and they say, well, Jesus only died for the people that were saved because that would be a waste of God's love. Now, excuse me, just because you refuse to accept God's love, does that injure God? Does that make his love any less lovely or any less great? Absolutely not, my friend. You see, the fact that God would extend his love to everyone proves how great God is. Amen? It says that we are to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? How many of you are familiar with Romans chapter 8? As it just goes on through that incredible list and it says, Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life. You cannot be separated from God's love once you willfully choose it. That's what salvation is. You cannot lose God's love because He is so great, He will not take it away. Aren't you glad about that today? I mean, this isn't a jumping up and down type sermon, but I want you to understand these truths. The Bible says that we need to learn and to understand about God's love. The more you understand about how Christ loved you, the easier it will be for you to love others. How many times have you gone to God as a Christian? Said, Dear Lord Jesus, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I'll tell you one thing. I am so glad as a preacher that you don't have to tell me your sins in order to get forgiveness. I am so glad that you can go directly to God, explain the situation to Him, and know He doesn't go, well, we know you're just a weak little human being. We'll just, we'll just put up with it. That's not the God of the Bible, my friend. The God of the Bible says, that sin was paid for through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You go free because he suffered in your place. That's the God of the Bible. You see, Christ never gives up on loving you. So when do you have to give up on loving your brother? Seventy times seven? Now, if you're counting, you're not forgiving. The simple truth of the matter is, we love others. But let me just interject this. It's always in the news. Somebody said, what do you Baptists do when a preacher messes up? Well... If we have anything to say about it, we send them to jail for as long as we can get them there. You know why? Because when you break the laws and destroy the lives of others, there is a civil penalty that ought to be paid. 
Can God forgive a preacher that messes up? Absolutely. Will we see that preacher in heaven? Absolutely. Will he ever stand in a pulpit and minister to people again? Absolutely not. If we have anything to say about it. You see, love isn't this wishy-washy thing that just erases things and pretends that something never happened. It's a little harder to say amen to that, isn't it? But you see, Jesus never gives up on loving us. But what we need to do is to serve him day by day. No one's ever committed murder being obedient to Jesus Christ. No one's ever committed immorality being obedient to Jesus Christ. No one's ever uh, done any of these horrible things that constantly in the news if you're being obedient to Jesus Christ. Amen? And what we need to do is we need to serve Him. We need to walk in love. It ought to be the overriding principle of our life. It ought to be what we are about. It should be our distinguishing characteristic. We have the example of Jesus Christ. But I want you to look at this last part. And this is where we're going to spend the most of our time this morning. Look at how Christ loved us, loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, do you get this? Jesus loved us. He gave himself for us, but how did he give himself for us he gave himself an offering for us, not to us, but to God. Our first responsibility is not to each other as human beings, if we would like to say on the horizontal plane. Our first responsibility is to God. On the vertical plane. Because no matter how right you are with people down here, if you're not right with God, you're not right. Jesus put it this way. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? He said, what will man give in exchange for his soul? Well, that question's got a lot of answers. Paganini traded his soul for fame, the great violinist. John Gotti, money and power. Hollywood people, fame and fortune. How long does that stuff last? I mean, how many of you can... Remember the Yankee roster from 1957. Now you have to tell me because I have no clue. I don't really care. But somebody uh, gave us a book a while back on baseball greats. And it's the history of baseball. And I was flipping through that book. Somebody left it laying out on the table and I'm flipping through that. Sit. Who are all these people? I don't know hardly anybody in this book. And yet under the caption of these great big pictures, the greatest whatever, the most famous baseball player of his time. Well, I was alive then. I never heard of him. Well, maybe I wasn't following close enough. Do you think God's going to be impressed that you played the most consecutive games without a break? Or that you earned more money and built the most valuable company in the history of the world? God doesn't care about those things. Why do you think all of these 
old um, guys uh, that made all this money, these old billionaires, go around giving all it away. It's because they're trying to salve their consciences before they meet God. Let me tell you something. How about you fix that now and then you don't have to worry about trying to patch it up when you get ready to die. I'll tell you what, there's nothing sadder than being at a funeral where there are people who can't make right wrongs that they have done. Nothing more sad than that. Well, I wish I did just talk to him a little more. I would, you know, you know I, I couldn't forgive him, but... But I sure wish I could just say I forgive you now. Hey, do it while they're alive, my friend. Had a preacher friend, he said, don't send me flowers after I'm dead. If you want to send me flowers, send them now. And the funny thing is, he was about six foot three and about 275 pounds, ex-marine kind of guy. I never sent him flowers. I'll tell you what. As we look in the word of God, look at what Jesus did. The proof of love is in the living. Amen? The proof of love is what you do. Now, Jesus was a sacrifice for us. He he sacrificed himself on our behalf. Yes. But the sacrifice wasn't to you. It wasn't for your personal life enhancement. I wish I could just burn this into the heart and soul of everyone here. This is the lie of the purpose-driven life in the purpose-driven church. They've turned the true gospel inside out. Church becomes a service bureau for Christians. Now, I promise you, if you pick up the book, you're not going to read those words in the book. It would be too obvious. But I've watched what preachers and churches do who follow the philosophy. They change the music in the church so people will be more comfortable there. They change the preaching in the church so people will be less offended. Church is supposed to be about you feeling better about yourself. That's not in the Bible, my friend. It's exactly the opposite of what's in the Bible. Jesus did not offer himself so you can feel better about yourself. He offered yourself, himself on your behalf so that God would not judge you for your sin. Talk about love. That is love. I've been accused on occasion of being very, uh, well, let me think up some of the adjectives, hard-nosed. Very dogmatic. Uh, I've been accused of being uncompromising. Well, they didn't use that nice of a word, but that's a compliment to me. You're so narrow-minded. Thank you very much. Because this book is rather narrow. And if I have a choice, I want to line up with what's in here. Not what's out there. You see, if I'm not right with God, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how good you feel about me, how much you love me, or how much I quote unquote love you, because if it's not based upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ, It's simply an exercise in silliness. It's not going to last. It's not real. It's amazing 
How many people get upset about fake things? Everybody got upset because that whoever it was sang the national anthem, lip-synced it at the inauguration. Who cares? It was 20 degrees outside. You can't play a saxophone in 20 degree weather. I'm sorry, it doesn't work as well as it would in nice warm auditorium. I can promise you that. But we get all upset about that. We go to church, get a fake good time banana happy slap on the back and we're satisfied. That terrifies me. Sometime we'll explore the idea or the truth of perverted values. We value something so much and we disdain other things. And when we get out the word of God, it kind of turns it all upside down, doesn't it? How much do people value money? How much does God value money? He says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll take care of the money part if you'll take care of the faith part. You see, faith is based upon God's word, but it still takes a personal decision. How do I prove that I love God? If you love me, how many know the rest of the verse? Say it with me. Keep my commandments. That's how you know if you love God. You know how one of the ways my wife knows that I love her? Well, I tell her. But I try to do things that she likes. Why? Because I want her to know that even though it didn't look like I was listening and it didn't feel like I was listening, that I really was. Amen? Listen. When we stand before God, it says we are to walk in love. Why? Because Christ, as Christ hath loved us, how did, he, how did he prove his love for us? How, what was his example? That he gave himself an offering for us to God. If we could get things right between you and God, all the rest of it falls in place. In fact, Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. You can quote it with me if you know Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, what's the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is the area of influence that belongs to the king. That's how simple it is. How do I seek first the kingdom of God? Make sure that you're under the influence and control of the king. That's what you seek first. And it's a battle. Every day, it's a battle. When you're standing on the subway platform, it's a battle. When you drive down the road, it's a battle. When somebody steals that last parking spot just as you pull up, let me tell you something, it's a battle. Because I don't want to behave like Jesus Christ. I want to behave like a New Yorker, amen? But see, Jesus did not give himself to me. He gave himself to God.
for me. Now, what's the application of that? We've been over this many, many times, but we just need to continue to repeat. How many of you have ever had somebody do something very kind and loving for you and then turn around and say, but I did that for you. I just need you to help me out a little bit. How many of you have ever had that happen to you? If you're living, you've had it happen. Because that is human nature. That is the false love that man parades for true. It's always got a hook in it. It's always got something attached to it. But when Jesus gave himself to God for us, there was no guarantees. Because Jesus was doing what he did for God. If you get on board, guess what? You get to enjoy the blessings of what Jesus did. If you don't get on board, you'll be under God's judgment. That's all there is to it. Wouldn't it be nice in this human life if somebody did something for you with no strings attached, would that not be true love? Amen? Would that not be something just so totally radically different from the world that even unsaved people would have to stop and say there's something different about what's going on there? This is how we're supposed to live. You see, as Jesus gave himself to God, guess what you're supposed to do? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present. Does anybody know what you're supposed to present? Your wallet, right? This church, we're talking, no. It's your body. A living sacrifice. You know what? It'd be easy if you were going to be a dying sacrifice. You only could do that once. But a living sacrifice is something you have to do every day. Holy. That means if it's not W-H-O-L-L-Y, that means all of it. It's not. H-O-L-Y. It's got to be all. Holy. By the way, where do you get holiness? Does anybody know? You have to go to God and ask Him for it. It doesn't come from you. It's a gift that He gives you because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. It says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your Reasonable service. If you are of the mind, if you are of the heart, that you want to influence and you want to help other people, let me challenge you, the greatest way that you can demonstrate love for others is not by just going out and trying to find someone that has a need and give them something but to give yourself wholly to God first. And then he'll use you to help others. I threatened to preach the sermon on the most selfish person in the world for years. The Lord just never allowed me to preach the whole message. Probably because I'd get in the flesh too much. I don't know. But the most selfish person in the world is somebody who needs your problem so that they can be better with God. You ever thought about that? You see, somebody who is earning their way to heaven has to have good works. Isn't that true? Well, if you don't have a problem, how am I going to get a good work? 
Don't you hate it when you have to think about things like that? But the most selfish person in the world is someone who will take advantage of your problem so they can add to their good works and get a little closer to God. Let me tell you something. By God's grace, that's something that doesn't happen at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Because you already have to have your salvation settled before you can become a member. Amen? And the good that is accomplished and the things that we do to be a blessing to others are not because we need to take advantage of your trouble. It's because we're giving ourselves to God. And he's using our life to influence others. No strings attached. How many of you have offended somebody and you didn't even know you'd done it? Wouldn't it be wonderful to love somebody and not even know you did it? How do I do that? It's by being under control of Jesus, having your eyes on the Lord. And then, when you do something, you're not even aware that you're doing it. Now, wouldn't that be God's love? To borrow the Bible verse, walked out in your life. Wouldn't that be something to strive for? Now, please understand, we are talking about the highest ideas and the most mature behavior that a human being can exhibit. And only under the influence of God could this ever happen. We fail more than we succeed. I'm not trying to set myself up and say, boy, I got this under control. No. What I'm trying to do is explain this verse that's in the scriptures. The way that the Bible would explain this verse. And ask you. And ask me. And to ask our church as a body. To pray that God would use us as individuals and that God would use us as a church to live Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And by the way, I really believe that if you ever just woke up one day and said, I got it, I got it, you just lost it. It's not something that you should ever be satisfied with because how in the world could you be satisfied because the moment you look at yourself, you've taken your attention off God. Did I just make sense with that sentence? You see, Jesus gave himself to God a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor in the place where our sin was. Read Isaiah chapter 53. It pleased him to bruise him. It pleased God to accept Jesus' sacrifice in place of our sin. You and I can take advantage of that sacrifice and we can get saved. Amen? If we'll believe on it. But as we look toward God and ask Him to make us that living sacrifice, our primary goal and our primary ideal is not going to be, okay, now what can I do? Lord, bring me somebody that I can help today. It's not going to be that. It's, Lord, what can I do to please you and be obedient to your word? And as we are looking to God, 
there's going to be opportunities present itself to share His love with people in which we live. Not because they're in need, but because we have a surplus, a supply from God that's got to go somewhere and do something. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would take these, this truth, Lord, that we're to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Lord, that we would take our eyes and our hearts off ourselves, put them on you, and ask, Lord, that you would use us to show this world your love. Of course, Lord, our prayer and our concern is always for those who might be with us that have yet to settle the issue of their eternity. They have yet to trust you as their Lord and as their Savior. Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Pray for others who have settled the issue of salvation. But Lord, they've not settled the issues of obedience. They would be willing to follow you in baptism, in membership, and in giving, and all of those other things. Not so that they can be good enough to please you, but because of a relationship with you. Lord, guide us that we may serve you in truth and in deed. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, would you come and lead us in the hymn 391.